From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. Any murder represents a level of greed, lust, or stupidity abhorrent to most humans. But when a child murders another child, the depravity reaches a new low. It is a sign of a rip in our society's moral fabric when a teenager thinks murder is the best way to handle a petty fight with his friend. I don't like to read or write stories about kids killing kids, but I also do not feel it is acceptable to look the other way. The problem won't simply disappear if we ignore it. Two horrible incidents of teen murders have occurred in Alaska in the last few years. And in this episode, I will profile one of them. Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Robin Bearfield, and I'm broadcasting to you from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. At 7 p.m. on Sunday, November 13, 2016, 16-year-old David Grunwald called his mother in Palmer, Alaska, to ask permission to stay out later than usual so he could give his girlfriend a ride home. He promised his mother he would be home by 9.30 p.m. Edie Grunwald never talked to her son again. When David did not arrive home by 11.30 p.m., his father called the Alaska State Troopers and filed a missing persons report. He assured the troopers it was out of character for David to stay out so long past his curfew. Mr. Grunwald was retired military, and he and his wife set strict rules for their kids. Their children were not allowed to stay out late on a school night. David was a student at Matt Sioux Career and Technical School, and he planned to study engineering and enlist in the military. Mr. Grunwald told the troopers that his son was driving a Ford Bronco, and he said David might have given his friend Eric Almendinger a ride to Anchorage. Troopers talked to Grunwald's girlfriend, who said David dropped her off at her home around 8 p.m., the following afternoon, troopers asked David Grunwald's father to accompany them to an area one mile north of East Schrock Road, north of Wasilla, where they'd received reports of a recently burned Ford Bronco. David's dad confirmed the SUV belonged to David. The troopers found no human remains or other evidence in the vehicle. Sergeant Tony Wurzen with the Alaska State Troopers questioned Eric Almendinger but he said he had not seen Grunwald in a few weeks. When asked about Grunwald giving him a ride to Anchorage on the night David disappeared, Almendinger said he took a cab to Anchorage. Wurzen soon learned that Almendinger was lying to him. Cellular data from Almendinger's mobile tablet showed it was near Grunwald's SUV when someone burned the vehicle. Also, troopers could not find a cab driver who picked up Almendinger and drove him to Anchorage, 
but they did locate a cab driver who picked up Almendinger and two other teens near the spot where Grunwald's SUV was found. On November 29th, Worzen obtained a search warrant for Almendinger's home. When troopers entered a camper trailer parked behind the Almendinger home, the smell of bleach overwhelmed them. Upon further inspection, they found traces of blood on the floor, walls, and toilet. This story topped the Anchorage news for the next two weeks, and then police made a startling announcement. They said they had charged 16-year-old Eric Almendinger with the murder of his alleged friend, David Grunwald. Details of the story slowly emerged, and in addition to Almendinger, authorities arrested and charged Bradley Renfro, Dominic Johnson, and Austin Barrett with Grunwald's murder. Devin Peterson, another friend who was not involved in the killing, confessed that he provided the gasoline used to torch Grunwald's vehicle. The news of the sordid murder shocked Palmer residents, and the crime drew national attention. Dominic Johnson led authorities to a pullout along the Knick River Road and pointed out the general area to dig in the snow to find Grunwald's body. When they uncovered the body, they found it frozen to the ground. By the time they found the body, the troopers had questioned Eric Almendinger three times, but he remained defiant and uncooperative during each interview. Sergeant Worzen brought in Almendinger again, and his divorced parents and grandmother accompanied him. Worzen showed the family photos of the inside of the camper trailer behind Almendinger's house and told them an analysis of the crime scene indicated someone had beat Grunwald so violently that the silhouette of his body left a blank space in the pool of blood. Eric Almendinger did not seem phased when Worzen described the graphic details of Grunwald's death, but he began to cry when Worzen told him his friends had already talked. Almendinger asked for the trash can and then vomited into it. With his grandmother holding his hand and his father sobbing in the hall outside the interrogation room, Eric Almendinger began to talk. Almendinger wasted no time pointing the finger at one of his buddies. It was Dominic's idea, he said. He said Dominic wanted to beat Grunwald because Grunwald showed up at the camper and smoked all the marijuana. Almendinger said Johnson sent him a Facebook message and told him to bring his heavy Ruger 40 caliber pistol out to the camper. The teens locked Grunwald in the bathroom and then turned out the lights. Grunwald thought it was a joke at first, but when they let him out of the bathroom, they started beating him. Almendinger said Johnson hit him once with the Ruger and then Baird hit him once, and then Dominic Johnson repeatedly pistol whipped Grunwald in the head until Grunwald passed out. Almendinger, Johnson, Barrett, and Renfro then carried Grunwald to the Bronco. They couldn't find the right key to start the truck, so Grunwald, who was barely conscious and bleeding badly, had to point out the correct key. The boys decided Grunwald knew too much, so they began driving while searching for a secluded spot to murder him. Grunwald started to regain consciousness and begged the boys to drop him at his girlfriend's house. When they reached the pullout along the Knick River Road, the teens walked Grunwald into the brush. Almendinger first said Dominic Johnson fired the fatal shot, but then he said Barrett was the shooter. All four boys claimed one of the others pulled the trigger, and the physical evidence did not distinguish who the shooter was. 
Johnson used Almendinger's gun to pistol whip Grunwald, but the murder weapon belonged to Austin Barrett. Next, the four teens drove to Devin Peterson's house in Big Lake. Peterson wanted nothing to do with the murder, but he gave them gas to burn the Bronco and took their guns from them to hide. Almendinger, Johnson, and Renfro drove the Bronco to East Schrock Road, where they doused it with gasoline and set it on fire. Almendinger said they drank alcohol and smoked marijuana from a makeshift can pipe while waiting for the taxi to take them home. Almendinger said once they got back to his house, he made pizza pockets and chimichangas while some of the others cleaned the trailer. They then all spent the next several days in a nearby shed. Eric Almendinger was the first of the four defendants to go on trial. On May 31, 2018, a jury in Palmer, Alaska found him guilty of second-degree murder, manslaughter, criminally negligent homicide, kidnapping, vehicle theft, arson, and evidence tampering. Dominic Johnson went on trial in Palmer in late December 2018. Social media played a large part in Johnson's trial, including a Snapchat video recorded three hours before Grenwald's beating. In the video, Johnson said he wanted to hurt someone by beating them as hard as he could on the head. Since the prosecutors could not establish which one of the four teens shot the fatal bullet into Grunwald's head, they instead decided to rely on accomplice liability laws. Since the four teens acted together to commit the crime, they were all guilty of murder. In his closing arguments, Palmer District Attorney Roman Kalitiak said Johnson and his actions proved the catalyst for the murder because the teens decided they needed to kill Grunwald to cover up the beating. In other words, he told the jury, they were fixing a problem that Johnson created. Since Johnson's cell phone was off during the time of the murder, his attorney attempted to persuade the jury that his client was not even present when someone shot a bullet into David Grunwald's head. The jury didn't buy the argument. They found Dominic Johnson guilty of nine counts, including first-degree murder, kidnapping, murder two, intending serious injury, murder two, extreme indifference, murder two, felony murder, tampering with physical evidence, assault one, vehicle theft one, and arson three for burning a vehicle on federal land. Let me take a short break. I have three projects I want to tell you about. My first Alaska true crime book with the same name as my podcast, Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier, is in the final stages of being published and should be available within the next few weeks. Second, the audiobook version of my novel, Carlick Bones, narrated by Beth Chaplin, should also be available soon and I hope to include an excerpt from it in my next episode. Finally, I am in the process of editing and producing a group podcast with a few fellow authors. The name of the podcast is Mysterious, and we will share stories of true mystery in the world around us. I'll keep you updated on these three projects, and we'll include links to them in the show notes as soon as they are available. 
Bradley Renfro's trial began in late September 2019. Because of the publicity surrounding the trials of Eric Allmendinger and Dominic Johnson, Renfro's lawyer felt it would be impossible for him to get a fair trial in Palmer. The lawyer petitioned the judge, and the judge agreed to move Renfro's trial from Palmer to Fairbanks. Neither Allmendinger nor Johnson had taken the stand in their trials, but Renfro decided to testify in his defense. Renfro was on the stand for several days. He spoke in a quiet voice and remained unruffled and polite even during the prosecution's cross-examination. To show the jury that Renfro's courtroom demeanor was an act, Prosecutor Roman Kalitiak wanted to play jailhouse phone calls between Renfro and his mother. In the profanity-laced calls, Renfro spoke in a loud voice and called the prosecutor a derogatory name. The judge did not allow Kalitiak to play the tapes for the jury. Renfro said he, Johnson, Amendinger, and Barrett walked Grenwald into the woods. He didn't remember any sounds except when Austin Barrett racked his pistol and shot David Grunwald in the head. Renfro said as they drove from Almendinger's house to the woods, he heard Barrett say, I'm going to do this, and he realized Barrett planned to kill Grunwald. Renfro said he heard Grunwald fall after being shot, but he did not check for a pulse. According to his attorney, Renfro only went along with the others because he was afraid of them. When cross-examining him, Prosecutor Kalitiak asked Renfro which version of his story the jurors were supposed to believe, reminding him that he had given four different accounts of the beating and murder. When first interviewed by the Alaska State Troopers, Renfro said he was too drunk to remember. Then he said he was picked up after the shooting and had nothing to do with the burning of the Bronco. Next, Renfro blamed everything on Amendinger. And finally, in court, he testified that it was Johnson who beat Grunwald and Barrett who shot him. Renfro admitted lying to the investigators, but he said he was scared because after the murder, Barrett told the others he would kill anyone who talked about what had happened. Renfro admitted he'd lit the Bronco on fire because Johnson told him it was his job to burn the vehicle because he had not participated in any other facet of the crime. Bradley Renfro's trial lasted five weeks, and the jury found him guilty of first-degree murder, three counts of second-degree murder, kidnapping, vehicle theft, arson, and tampering with evidence. He was acquitted of the first-degree assault. Austin Barrett was the final one of the four defendants charged with the murder of David Grunwald. In January 2020, a judge threw out Barrett's indictment, ruling that the police and prosecutors violated his rights by continuing to question him even after he asserted his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Since the interrogation was central to the case against Barrett, the prosecution decided to offer Barrett a plea deal. Barrett pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, and the judge sentenced him to 45 years in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 15 years. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the court delayed the sentencing hearings for Eric Allmendinger, Dominic Johnson, and Bradley Renfro.
In May 2021, the judge sentenced Dominic Johnson to 99 years in prison. In August 2022, the judge also sentenced Eric Almendinger to 99 years in prison. Almendinger said, I claim full responsibility for Dave dying. He was my friend. He was a good kid, and I killed my friend. That's what happened. I killed somebody's nephew. I killed somebody's son. I destroyed somebody's family. Bradley Renfro, the last of the four to be sentenced, received 105 years. While all four teens participated in Grunwald's murder, it is regretful that Almendinger, Johnson, and Renfro received stiffer sentences than Austin Barrett, the teen who most likely pulled the trigger and murdered David Grunwald. In a bizarre twist to an already unthinkable story, Austin Barrett's lawyer, Craig Howard, gave a rambling speech at Barrett's sentencing hearing. His words were more about himself than his client, and he dared to pick apart the victim impact statement given by Edie Grunwald earlier in the hearing. Mrs. Grunwald reminded the judge that David was not a member of a gang. He drank and smoked marijuana at times, but he was a good kid who followed his parents' rules. He and Eric Almendinger had been friends for several years, but he only met the other teens 90 minutes before they murdered him. Edie Grunwald said David had entered the devil's lair and had no idea what was in store for him. She said her son was a good Christian and regularly attended church. Barrett's attorney, Craig Howard, later spoke during the hearing and said David Grunwald was a naive teenager. He suggested that David's mother did not know her son as well as she thought she did. He said David went to church the day he died, but later in the day he was rumored to have searched for drugs on the dark web. He said David Grunwald chose to run with the bad boys, and he didn't understand what he was doing. Howard's voice trembled as he stammered his way through the rest of his statement. He seemed to forget that he should be talking about his client. Instead, Howard spoke about his own youth and his father's expectations for him. He talked about his religious beliefs, and at the end of his speech, he said he hoped the Grunwalds would permit him to visit the gravesite of their son. He said, I need closure in this case. Authorities never definitively learned which one of the teens pulled the trigger. They also could never pin down a motive for the beating and killing. Almendinger, Johnson, Renfro, and Barrett said Johnson beat Grunwald because Grunwald smoked all their marijuana, and the boys claimed they murdered Grunwald to cover up the beating. Some believe, though, that perhaps the teens planned the events of November 13, 2016, before acting them out. Perhaps they were just bored and thought it would be fun to kill one of the popular kids at school. Even if Eric Almendinger, Dominic Johnson, Bradley Renfro, and Austin Barrett had no respect for human life, were they so foolish that they didn't understand the penalty for murder? Did they not know their actions on the night of November 13, 2016 would ruin their lives? I guess they thought they could get away with it. Or, more likely, they didn't think at all.
Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to my patrons for your support. Check out the show notes for more information on how you can support this podcast and unlock extra episodes by joining the Last Frontier Club. You can also search for this podcast on Patreon to learn more about the Last Frontier Club. I'll see you soon for the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. Thank you.